everybody welcome to another episode of the anything but typical podcast and we've got the anything but typical tanner fritz joining us and uh i'm excited to hear more of his story because i think you and i met first when you were at sona or you may have been the chief technology officer at speed speed digital at that time but i think you had just gone to sona if i remember right so yeah anyway yeah. We'll get into that background, but we really want to get into your entrepreneurial journey because that's pretty cool. And um, because there are a lot of people out there that listen that are entrepreneurs, but they're and everybody has their own unique journey. But we have a lot of folks out there as well that wonder about it. You know, they mm -hmm. dream about it. And mm -hmm. um, and so I think your story will be you know, impactful and resonate with them. So here is the question hmm. before we pass it over to Ben. The question is, is all right, so you're sauntering into the Lifetime Fitness uh, facility in Charlotte and you're getting ready to do some hoops early in the morning before you have to get back and take your kids to school. So <laughs> it's right. still dark, but somebody has been drinking their coffee and they recognize you as you're walking into the parking lot or up into the gym. And they are talking about you to somebody else, but they don't realize that you are able to overhear what they're saying. What would you like them to be saying about you, Tanner? Man, yeah, that. Um, so first off, I usually play there early in the morning. So <laughs> I'm not sure how much people are talking, but I'm imagining this. And um, and also, I'm not the nicest person on the basketball court. We might, should have picked a different uh, venue for that because sometimes I'm not too kind there. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, I've I've heard you ask this question to others, and I it's a tough one. Like uh, my initial knee jerk is. Um, I would love for people to say great things about me, right? I'm, I'm wired just like the rest of us. I love um, praise and, and my, I hold my reputation in high esteem. And so my initial thought is I would love for them to talk about how, I'm, you know, I'm a competitor who strives for excellence. I'm, I'm somebody who cares for others. Um, but I also, you know, I'm all, like a little bit squirmish when you said that because um, I'm a mess, right? I'm a mess just like you are. <laughs> And they, they could say something that is, uh, you know, is true about me that I, I forgot or I was blind to. And so um, sometimes that's a little bit nerve wracking. Um, I think I, I ultimately would want folks to talk about me in the light where um, they, they see me giving myself away. I'm a big believer of like giving your, your life away. And um, that can mean different things to different people. But um, you know that that would be a theme i would want to hear if somebody's describing me where ultimately i'm kind of the secondary part of the of the conversation right um it's it's somehow hey tanner's caring for other people he's um he's showing up when it matters um that's you know that's what i would be hopeful for the probability of that again maybe not too high but uh it's a good it's a good exercise for me to be able to figure out then all right uh, hopes and dreams versus reality. How do we how do we bridge the gap here? So, um, but I love this exercise. It's something I I don't do enough, and I'm uh, you know it's a good question. That's the tension. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, we're all flawed human beings, that's for sure. But I love I love that because it does get to your heartbeat, which is really 
more important, quite frankly, I think, than even the accolades. But we're going to get into the accolades and kind of your background. So, Ben, why don't you go ahead and take it? Yeah. So Tanner's uh, currently the co-founder of Anduin, which is an AI for intelligence-based billing, which we will dive into here in a second and explain that a little bit more in depth. And prior to that, he's got really two aspects of, of strength in the background. He's been a CTO for multiple companies, and he's got a strong background in project or product management as well. And so we're going to talk about how that weaves into what he's doing today. So Tanner, I want us to, to start first with just a brief description of Anduin, so that way we can build off of it. Yeah, absolutely. So Anduin's a year and a half old software startup, right? We're an early stage software startup that um, is focused on the accounting space, professional services firms. And what we're doing there is we're, we're trying to help um, firms unlock time and unlock um, cash flow. And so we're, we're taking a modern approach to save, how can we give you a tool set that will do those two things, um, save time and money. And um, that's in an array of products and modules that we're building, but we really focused on, let's actually ask the accounting firms, um, the personas there, what would be valuable to them? Can we go build this for you? If you had a magic wand, I say this all the time to our customers, if you had a magic wand that we could solve um, a problem for you with software, what would it be? And um, they're all kind of coalescing into this, help us save on back office tasks, help us save on um, manual tedious um, to-dos through software automation. And, and like you said, you started about a year and a half ago, right? May of 2020. What yep. was the actual catalyst to start it? Yeah. Um, well, I think the main catalyst was our CEO, Justin Adams, had worked in um, the space. He had worked for PwC 10 years ago and had just out, started dabbling in automation. UI path was the main tool he had used back then and realized, um, you know, there, there's a major need for this in uh, the industry in, in terms of helping solve some of these tasks through automation. Um, and so we had a couple of theories and uh you know, question, open questions. And so the main catalyst was, hey, COVID kicked up. Um, a handful of us that knew each other all found ourselves in scenarios where we thought, hey, this might make sense to come together and uh, try this out. Um, and so we put this group together, not really knowing at the time whether it was going to be focused in the accounting uh, firm space, whether it was going to be focused specifically on billing at the um, onset, but really knowing, hey, we've got a couple of really sharp folks who have got some very backgrounds here we took the the approach of you know get the right people on the bus and and let's start driving um, and see where we where we head out there. Yeah, so that that aspect of getting the right people around you, right? Even before you have a clear vision of of exactly where you're going or who you're serving is is a common theme here of how quickly companies can grow when the right people are working together to do that. Um, so I'm going to skip around. I was going to ask something about this later, but that brings up your background in basketball and working together and building a team and things like that. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, Tanner played college basketball at, at, you said Furman first, right? And then transferred to Florida Gulf Coast. Actually, yeah, I did play at Furman, but I I, I went to Furman first, transferred, oh, okay. and, transferred and did played. play. Yeah. Yep. Played at Florida so Gulf Coast. Played really, really high level basketball. What, what aspects of whether it's hot, uh, habits or, or uh, lessons from playing college basketball at that level 
have you then been able to take into running businesses? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I play point guard and uh, uh, was fortunate to grow up in a family of basketball players. My dad played in college. My two brothers are six, five and six, seven. I'm, I'm the little one at six, three. Um, but we, you know, a couple of the lessons that I learned through that, especially as I got into college basketball is, yeah, you, you got to be ready to have the right people on your team. Um, and there's a saying in, in basketball, KYP, which is know your personnel, right? <laughs> which uh, can be a negative saying in terms of, ah, I can't pass that guy the ball because he's not going to be able to hit that shot. Or it can be, I really got to know all my teammates' strengths and weaknesses to be able to facilitate um, the goal here. And the goal being, you know, to win and to execute the play the right way. Um, so that that is something that, really is pertinent to high uh, performing teams. And, and we're seeing it right now at Anduin where we're going through, um, you know, different team development exercises. We've just had a coach that came in to help with our co-founding team to communicate better, but it's all about really knowing each other. Well, um, strengths, weaknesses, how to help each other out. Another one that, you know, you just brought to mind. I can remember going to a couple of my first college practices and show up at 5:45 in the morning, and you know you've got the locker room, and it's this great big college basketball locker room, and um, printed for us on um, the wall every day were two sheets um, for the entire schedule, minute by minute, right? And at the top we had a defensive theme of the day and an offensive theme of the day, and you had to memorize them, and you also had to know here's everything that's going on schedule wise, um, especially as the point card, you were kind of on point to be able to start directing your team and um, uh, make sure that you kick off every every play, every drill, every exercise. So if you're not kicking it off the right way, the whole thing goes sideways. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what I can take from that is it, I've got a, a good friend in my life who's a, a pastor at the church I go to and he says, proper preparation leads to peak performance, right? And so if I'm not ready, before the practice starts, I am, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and my, you know, it's going to be uh, spotlit by my coach and, and quickly seen by all the stakeholders. And that's, that translates absolutely to business and to what we're doing um, in, in a startup environment as entrepreneurs, we're flying so fast. Um, I mean, there is, uh, meeting after meeting and upcoming event and planning and, and presentation. And so being disciplined in that regard to being ready to be able to execute the play, um, to answer the the question that could come up and um, know that, you know, you've, you've got a lot on your plate. It, it takes, it takes the preparation that, um, you know, from a basketball perspective, I didn't have that skill before uh, as a 19 year old until I started doing that. And that, you know, Something I haven't thought about in a little while, but as you said, that absolutely came yeah. to mind. So when you say know your personnel and, and the idea of, hey, as a point guard, I need to be able to hit my shooting guard in stride or I need to be able to hit somebody slashing like those types of things. You're knowing when to get people and putting them in the right positions. Let's get a little tactical of what that looks like inside <laughs> Anduin of knowing your personnel, whether it's systems and processes or meetings or whatever that is. What does that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, first two weeks into Anduin, um, you know, a, a couple of my co-founders and I were just starting to work together. 
and we have worked and known each other for years, but um, mostly through consulting engagements. I had a couple of them had worked together on a prior company, but um, I hadn't. And it became evident very quickly that um, two of the the five of us were written processors and just phenomenal when it comes to documentation. I am not that way. Um, and so that's a simple example of, gosh, I, I got to know my weakness here. And also I'm going to lean on them to uh, lead those efforts. And um, it's going to challenge me to try and meet the mark that they're setting. Um, this goes back to a concept kind of similar to the know your personnel that I'm a big believer in, which is leading out of your weakness and, um, and you know that's it's an odd saying like how do you lead out of your weakness um and I, I would equate it to a lot of people say hey i want to hire people who are smarter than me right um that's a great concept but it's really only valuable if you you know where your weakness is right mm -hmm. if i need to hire the people who are smarter than me in in my areas that i don't really do very well at um and so learning how to do that is not an easy thing to do it's it's much easier to brag or you know justify things and um I would say that in Anduin, the way this plays out is, um, you know, being vulnerable enough to actually uh, explain my weaknesses and let others explain them for me um, is a, a huge challenge, but a, a game changer. I mean, total game changer if I can trust my, my teammates enough to um, tell them where I'm failing um, so that they can help me pick up the slack. Cause they, sometimes they have the tools to do it. They have the skills to do things that I don't have. Um, so that's that's one thing that comes to mind with like, know your personnel. It's actually starting like, I need to know myself and what I'm really good at, what I'm not good at. Um, and being able to to lean into that enough so that I can, I can then say, gosh, Chris is phenomenal at um, asking the why behind things and really driving into that so that we don't miss uh, what the ultimate goal is behind the job to be done on, you know, a given meeting or a given uh, project. Um, Pat is phenomenal at documenting and leading us through, uh, you know, meetings with an, a, a prepped agenda and making sure we're on time and ultimately getting to where we need to go. Um, so figuring out those different skill sets is so key. Um, to everything that we're doing. And that that's what, you know, I think comes to mind in terms of translating, know your personnel, uh, know yourself, lean into your weakness so that you guys can operate at a much higher clip. There are so many things running through my head that I want to ask you, and I will eventually, but <laughs> this is really good. And I knew Ben and you would just like connect on the whole basketball front as well as awesome. the I love that. we, we yes. can just talk basketball for the rest of this podcast oh man it's, it's, it's basketball season right now so this is a good time <laughs> yeah because he played he's coached i mean it's amazing uh both of you guys but i want to go back to this concept of all right you and some other guys that you knew you had some you had identified some talent collectively yeah and you start dreaming a little bit like what if which is really cool i i remember after my first entrepreneurial endeavor of just turning around a company my favorite thing was assembling the right team mm. bringing the right <laughs> people together because that's when the magic really happens which is really cool 
But the challenge with that is unless you've been born into a trust fund family, which I wasn't, you know, I was like, um, the reality of, okay, so we actually have to pay bills right now. You know, right. how are we going to do this? You know, I want to hear a little bit about that because you guys had identified some players, some cool things. How did you, as you were formulating, like, what's this thing maybe going to look like? You know, could it mm. be this grand experiment that, you know, is like a garage band, you know, that nobody wants to listen to? Or, you know, is it actually going to take traction and you're going to do something? How did you go through the, you know, just the reality of like, we got to still pay bills in the middle of this. And probably not everybody is, you know, just financially free to where they, you know, time is no of no issue. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and I think that's a um, challenge that everybody has who's thinking about jumping to do their own thing, right? I, I, I struggled with that early on in my career, just, you know, I'm a little risk averse at times, even though now I'm, you know, I'm obviously in a, a startup, and it's much, much riskier. But I can remember years ago being like, you know, I kind of want to jump and do my own thing. But how do I let go of this, right? I feel yeah, a little bit handcuffed yeah. um, to where I'm at and it gets harder and harder, right? You get you get more yeah. tethered to whether it's family or um, responsibilities. Um, for us, you know, it was um, pretty serendipitous in terms of the timing. The short story for me personally, I, um, I had actually spent about seven months raising some funds to try and buy a local software business and um, have really been laser focused on, on that. That was set to close the two weeks after COVID started and oh, wow. the deal blew up with COVID. Um, I was then the day after the deal blew up, I was actually laid off because um, my current employer had, had COVID um, related, you know, downturn from the business. Um, and I found myself in a, a position where I had just had breakfast separately with two of my now co-founders, Pat and Justin, as they were closing out a business they had just sold and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Um, and so then, you know, for me, what actually ended up happening was that business I was trying to buy um, came back up as an option. And it was like, oh, maybe, maybe this could potentially happen in uh, a different form. And I had already started talking with Justin and, you know, I realized I was getting much more excited about um, this Anduin idea where I would be on the bus with these four um, incredible entrepreneurs that have skill sets that I didn't have, as opposed to what I was trying to do, which was really trying to go buy this, this legacy software business and turn it around and crank it a little bit here and there. But I would have been a, much more on an island on my own. Um, and I, I got much more excited and just affirmed that this was the right move to go after Anduin. From a risk perspective, um, you know, I had a little bit of uh, leeway myself that I could float for a few months. We had a, uh, a fortunate um, scenario where two of the founders had just sold a business. So they had, they had some more finances to be able to go after this. And then we went and raised a little bit of money um, from friends and family and said, hey, let's, let's actually, we've got something here. We think there's uh, a, a decent opportunity. Let's go and try and give ourselves some rope to go after it. Um, and that's, that's easier if you've got the, the talented team on the bus, right? You've got people who have got more tenure and more stories to tell and more experience. Um, 
it also becomes really easy if you've already signed up contracts with with people. And so what we ended up doing was we went and said, hey, again, like let's go after some um, accounting firms because we think we've got we got this thesis here, and we've now held you know sixty phone calls with different people in this industry or or around the industry. Um, let's actually put some teeth to some things here that are pretty loose in terms of how an engagement would work, but let's let's get some people to commit to working with us so that we can identify the specific pain. So we had started doing that and that really unlocked again for us to be able to go and say, all right, we think we're onto something here. Um, let's raise a little capital to be able to float the business. Um, for us, what was really interesting was we had a, from the get-go, even before we knew what we were doing, we actually said, uh, I think it was about three, four weeks, we just focused on core values on what we wanted to build business-wise, what type of people to bring in we didn't even know, again, this was accounting and billing at that point. It was just all about people before any of that. Um, and that set the tone for me personally to say, okay, this is going to be much better. Uh, this would be bigger than I was even thinking. Um, and, and the other thing it did was it showed me uh, the other co-founders' uh, willingness to lean into this and to go after it not just to try and um, you know make make money and, and build something uh, for ourselves, but to do it that it's going to be much bigger in terms of the entire company. We ended up uh, finding a, this great consultant who was helping us with marketing and mostly product, and she was such a rock star. We, we made her the fifth co-founder, um, and that was months into us starting because we, we all kind of looked around and said, gosh, she's filling a huge gap here, and oh, by the way, we think we actually think we need to grab her and bring her on. Um, I mentioned that because it it showed the um, really the early on the leader's mindset of this is something we want to grow. We want to go for the long haul here. We're not we're not trying to be greedy on this. Let's try and get the right people uh, aligned here. And uh, and that continues today with what we're doing in terms of how we're trying to grow our team. So isn't that is are you talking about Ellen? As Ellen, yeah. Ellen started consulting with us at first. We didn't know her. We got introduced to her, and um, she was just such a phenomenal early on addition that it, she was the first, you know, full time person we brought on. I think it's pretty cool because you, if I'm not mistaken, didn't she come from uh, Google? Yeah, El <laughs> we joked early on. Ellen's, you know, she's 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 a uh, you know the. We say, yeah, she's a little bit of a dummy. She's a Harvard MBA, a Stanford <laughs> undergrad, and she worked in finance at Google, right? So, uh, absolutely. And and you know, you wouldn't have to know any of those things if you had an interaction with her. You'd say, gosh, this this woman is sharp and um, a phenomenal asset. You know, so just a little bit of background for the listeners. When you called me, looking for space when we were in lockdown with. Uh, COVID. Yeah. And, and our team was kind of like, ah, you know, you know, with the, there were just a lot of dynamics about, you know, do we open up the space? We don't have anybody in there or hardly blah, blah, blah. It's like, now nah, this isn't probably, it probably isn't the right thing. But then as we circled back and kind of stay, you stayed in touch with me, et cetera. When I got to hear what you guys were doing, I'm like, wait a minute. I need to introduce you to our finance folks because while we, all the business that I've brought in, 
they are on a monthly payment plan, which doesn't have that issue that a traditional CPA firm has, but we've got legacy clients from acquisitions in the past that still have the legacy issues that traditional accounting firms and CPA firms have. So the cool thing was, is we got to meet your team and see how powerful all of you guys were. And we've seen amazing results um, by being a beta site for you. And we were the, you know, at only about 80 some people were small compared to uh, Clifton Larson Allen that has, you know, thousands and thousands of people, but it's been really cool. But one of the things that you said for everybody listening to this, if you've heard a common theme across all of these podcasts for the last almost two years now, There's something about understanding people and then getting it straight on the core values. I never heard that early on in corporate America. You know, that was kind of fluffy stuff with the exception of, you know, Humacall at Nations Bank and Bank of America. That was, those were really big there. And so that's a humongous company. But you guys got serious about that more than, hey, what are we selling? And, you know, we got the coolest widget that everybody's going to be flocking to. I think that there's something really powerful about that. So, you know, if you were going to give any advice to somebody else thinking, what if what you've seen has worked and what you've seen hasn't worked, you know, give us a couple emphasis points of, hey, make sure you do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, well, I mean, I think a lot of what I'll say here is not new, nothing new under the sun, right? Uh, it's a lot of, yeah. we need to be reminded. Um, and I, I need to be reminded. So we, we actually have <laughs> printouts of our core values. I got, we have them at each of our desks. We got them on our wall. It's how do we be reminded to, um, live these out? So I, I would say that, um, it starts with you as the leader, right? So uh, even having great people and great core values, uh, you can all, you can have all those things. And if you still have lousy leadership, it can kill the culture in a heartbeat. Um, so that's one thing to to start with. And that really comes from us. It's, it starts with our CEO who says, "Hey, I'm I'm going to drive these things and continually drive um, the mission of where we're going and also how we're going to get there and the type then the type of people who we're going to be." Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I would just take a step back and really make sure that you can be authentic to live out what your core values are. Um, for us, you know, we looked at the, the type of people that we thought we were going to need to attract to execute. And we have a saying internally that, hey, we really want to hire the top 10% of talent because our goals are audacious. And the only way for us to meet those goals, right, there's a a razor thin margin of error um, is for us to have the the right people. Um, And so that, that, you know, they're mostly the intangibles. It's the things like working hard, having the grit, having the, um, the attitude to do this. Um, I'm a big fan of Southwest Airlines. One one of my friend's dads was the um, SVP of marketing there and helped to drive a lot of the the behaviors and and they call that the warrior spirit, right? So you've got to have that. And it's a little bit emotional, but you got to be able to have that roll your sleeves up. Um, And that's so, I mean, I get on an interview with somebody and you know it within two minutes, right? Does this person have it or not? 
so that's that's a key thing for us. Obviously, in my role, we're so focused on customers and being able to have a um, empathy to our customers' problems, and and so I could I would say early on in a business, you can't overlook having uh, a heart for your customers, right? There's no handbook for that in, in terms of having a heart for what the customer is going through. Uh, you can't quite measure that in an interview. Um, but what I really look for there and what we strive for is curiosity. I think that is undervalued in our society today. The art of asking a good question, uh, leaning in so that somebody really feels heard this this is a core value for your customers and for your employees. Um, I, I try and do this now, and and it's I mean, and for your your life, right? For your families. <laughs> Think about my kids. Everybody is hearing an underlying message in our everyday interactions, and it's my customers, it's my employees, my teammates, my family members. Depending on how I uh, I'm either cheering them on, or I'm criticizing them, or I'm reacting. And so that that um, mentality and behavior set is something that we look for in our employees and how we interact with our customers. Um, again, it's it's a curiosity. It's having a servant's heart and really being able to um, evoke those emotions towards folks. And then the last thing that we focus on, I mean, we've I focus especially on is not take yourself too seriously. Uh, there's no big room for ego in my world. Uh, life's too short. Um, you know, a good example of that for us, I'll give you a, at Anduin up until a couple of weeks ago, I was running the live chat support for clients who were trying to make payments for, you know, for firms like you guys And you know, Hey, let me answer. One of your clients has a question. They're trying to pay BGW. I'm going to go and answer that and make sure they can get the payment through. Um, because, you know, I, I can't take myself too seriously and, be willing to roll my sleeves up and try that. So all that said, it's a great question. What advice I would give is really spend time thinking about these things on the type of people you want to attract and therefore the type of uh, values of the people that you want, because it, it will drastically change the, you know, the makeup of the business and therefore um, the, where the business is going for us. We're, we're like, we have three core values, courage, trust, and build. Um, we've got a bunch of sub values under each of those and we spotlight each other on a weekly basis. Hey, I want to spotlight, um, Alex for trust because he knocked out X, Y, Z. I didn't have to worry about it. And I'm just so thankful to have a teammate who does that, right? Let's, um, let's try and have 10 times the praises for our teammates out there compared to the, the one criticism on how they can you know, get better. Again, everybody's hearing underlying messages all the time. Um, I want them to hear the ones that are moving us forward and reinforcing those positive behaviors and, and, and such. So I'm rambling now, but I think I gave no, you a little the, bit there. You're not rambling. This is really, really good stuff. But isn't it funny, Ben, how there is this common theme that we, and I, I, part of it is because we're pretty picky about who's going to be on our, our podcast. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But you can tell, so you mentioned putting the ego aside and, and not taking yourself too seriously, but you also actively chose to not go do your own thing with that legacy software company yeah. and instead be a part of 
a team of co-founders doing something that you're excited about. So right from day one, you're choosing to be a part of something bigger than yourself, then go the ego route of do your own thing and any success is yours and things like that. So that's, that's the way you went into this whole thing, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, one part of that was a learning for me that um, a lot of my career, I've been like the first hire at a software startup. You know, I've, I've had some great leaders I've worked under and I've just kind of been the utility player to go do, like you guys said, product and product marketing. And, um, and that, that has been a great role for me. And I do really well with that. It's because I want to play right-handed and left-handed and be a switch hitter and, and, you know, not be too monotonous in one, one silo. Um, and I, in that experience, I realized absolutely in my interaction just quickly with the Anduin co-founding team, uh, this is a, a spot I can really run and drive value with. Um, and the other one's going to be much more of a challenge for me personally. And that is, that was something I had to recognize and learn for myself. Um, the other thing that came up when you're talking about ego, Ben, is, uh, you know, this is something that we we have to learn as we interact with other leaders and we do it as a co-founding team. I've started to learn that um, when I when I can sense that I'm right about something and really want to argue a specific position, man, I am my most dangerous self then. I am ready to slay the other person when I know I'm right, right? And so figuring out how to put that ego aside and, um, you know, deliver messages in a way that's going to encourage my teammates, it's going to move us forward is uh, another challenge that like comes with ego. And, and so some of these themes are only things that I'm learning about myself because I've got other people speaking that truth to me, whether it's an executive coach um, that we had a session with just two weeks ago for a few days or people on my co-founding team who are willing to actually enter into conflict with me and um and kind of say hey here's here's something that i saw you do that was phenomenal here's here's something i saw you do that eh, this i don't know if you saw, noticed this but you really kind of put somebody down or you really kind of could have done this better if, if you did it this way um and that comes back to the trust like we've got trust in a way that i could actually let somebody say that to me and try not to get too defensive when you know somebody points out my flaws um but i i really am thankful to have this team right now that we've established some of this but again it goes because we're putting in the work this is work to establish this type of rapport with one another one another and trust with one another it didn't come quickly um a lot of a lot of conversations a lot of hard conversations for that yeah and, and so you also in that hit on your background a little bit right with the uh, the product uh marketing management side so i want to circle back to that for a second because you've been on the product side with marketing management You've been a CTO for multiple companies. How has those differentiating experiences and being the, the switch hitter and being able to do multiple things, how has that applied to being part of a, a co-founding team and starting a company? Yeah, it's, it's really been, I think, beneficial. And I, I, um, I love like the co-founding stage because part of what um, drives me the way I'm wired is to provide value. Like I want to provide value on a, um, a variety of opportunities. So um, good answer, a good example of that is early on, I really wanna find leads and help with the sales process. I don't really wanna be in charge of closing a lead and making that my, my full career, right? I'm thankful I have uh, you know, great sales leaders on our team, but I wanna be a part of that process. I wanna get on the demos and demonstrate value and, and be an asset. Um, 
And so that I get to play in the sales realm, uh, even though I run the customer success department. Um, and then likewise, you know, product wise, uh, hey, I've been able to work with engineering teams in the past and help understand how those uh, machines work and run. And so let me figure out if I can provide the value back from a, a customer voice perspective, from what I'm hearing on calls. All that said, uh, being able to work at smaller companies in the past and have multiple hats, absolutely, I think, set me up well for uh, Anduin because there's no shortage of things to do early on. Um, there's actually no room for people to just be told what to do. You've, you've got to be ready to jump in and raise your hand and just take ownership of a project and knock it out. Um, and that goes, you know, even now we're, we're 35 people a year and a half in, like those are the type of people we're still hiring. Um, we, we have no, no opportunity for somebody to come on with the end of it. And if they're only going to play within one silo right now, we need, we need people who are willing just to grab things and run with them. Um, so I think that's a key characteristic of anybody in early stage. Yeah. One of the question, one of the issues that you brought up was early on was really knowing yourself. And that's a, an iterative process, right? I mean, it builds yeah. and it's hard to know yourself. You know, it, it's one thing to know yourself when you're 12 years old. And it's another thing to know yourself when you're in your fifties, you know, so, right. Um, right. but so experience has a, is a blessing. I'm just curious about your personal journey as you've, I mean, you are, you know, a college athlete, which yeah. that's at a, a rarefied <laughs> level. Both of you guys were. Um, so you're already at a pretty thin sliver relative to the entire population, but with all of your accomplishments, have you ever wrestled with, if they really knew me, would they really like me? That whole kind of imposter syndrome, have you ever wrestled with that? And if so, how has that manifest and, and how have you dealt with it? Yeah, well, before we go for so Ben, I, I gotta know your college athlete story because I feel like I, I've heard that now twice and I didn't realize, what did you play? So I did uh, basketball and baseball were the two I got recruited for. And then I did basketball or did golf as well for about a year and a half. Oh man. So, but it was, it was at the, it was a division three <laughs> level, not, not division two. So it was, it was a, a, cool. a little, a little more relaxed where I could do multiple sports instead of just doing. Yeah. One. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah. So Gary, going back to your question. Absolutely. Uh, I have felt the imposter syndrome for sure. And the um, I think that it's probably common for everybody, especially when you're leading in any regard. I think if you're leading a team, if you're leading a, a company, you're leading a department, whatever it is, um, you are stepping into uh, new territory all the time, and you don't know the right play all the time. And that that is, you know, uncertainty is does not feel comfortable, right? Um, so I absolutely have felt that um, in in my career. And I felt it at Anduin, right? Like I've, I've had to learn how do I get comfortable in this? Um, and the ways you do it for me personally, the way I do it is I want to talk things out strategy wise. I want to lean on my teammates so that when I have questions or hesitations, um, I don't deal with them myself. I bring them to somebody else that I trust and that I'm willing to, you know, go to battle with. Um, you know, so I, I think that is a balance of, 
knowing my strengths, my willingness to uh, step into the unknown, and also being able to come back and drag somebody in with me when I need to is is a key um, characteristic of and kind of description of myself that I've I've leaned into. And that's not the case for everybody. I've got some teammates who don't need that. They they'll go do their own independent research, find things, and then come back with a one pager on why they're making a decision. And here's here's how they're going to accomplish it. I'm a little bit more. Uh, fluid than that. And so I want to bring somebody in and have some of the uh, more, hey, I got a gut check feeling here. And uh, okay, Gary, I'm going to bring you into it. So you and I can kind of do this together and make sure that I'm I'm not off. Um, usually, I think my intuition intuition is pretty good. But let me bring Gary in because I'm going to, I'm going to go through that um, together. And that's been, that's been really key for me as a leader. Um, the other piece I would say is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer that we are blind to a lot of our personality. We just don't know uh, who we are be- in terms of how others perceive us because we just don't see it. And so I, I'm a big believer in asking for that feedback um, and doing that from peers, from supervisor managers, and from those who are direct reports. You know, you got to do that often. And that's both from a professional and a personal level. Um, I, I I try and do this with my team once a week where when I have one-on-ones, there's so much that we can go through in terms of project check-ins. You know, let me check on this customer on this project, X, Y, Z. Um, it's really easy just to forget that I'm Zooming, I'm talking with another person and to hear how their week is going and their life is going. And so we try and do that every week where it's just, hey, let me just ask you, what's going on? Like, how are you? Um, you know, if you had to tell me about your, your high, or your low for your week, what is that? And, uh, the, the reasons I'm personally very passionate about that is because, you know, you're going to work with somebody for a while, but it's going to be a blip. It's going to go so fast. And I think we're oftentimes we're missing an opportunity, a chance to speak life to somebody just by asking that question or by mm-hmm. saying, thank you or by telling them you did a really great job. Um, I had a, a coworker of mine do this recently and uh, we had an investor in town and we were having a strategy session. And I just, uh, apparently I really came alive uh, when we're talking about spitballing ideas on partnerships. And afterwards he came up to me and he's like, man, I just loved seeing that side of you um, mm. because you, you brought value this way. And, this was a few months ago and he probably doesn't know I should go say thank you to him. That still st- stuck with me. Right. Like mm. I, I still think about that and I'm like, God, yeah, that that's really helpful for me to know because maybe I, you know, didn't realize I should be that assertive or that that was that valuable. Um, so yeah, knowing yourself, I think is a tough one. And um, the ways that I try and address it are asking for the feedback, giving the feedback, like putting sometimes putting business aside and, and making it personal, um, which is which is tough sometimes to do. You know, we we live in a a time where it's hard to ask a lot of like personal questions <laughs> in a work environment, but uh, figuring out how to do that in a way that is um, again life giving, I think, is really important. Um, and I have a yeah, I have a personal story on that one. I'll I'll tell you too. I haven't mentioned this to you guys, I don't think, but like part of my story is I had cancer a few years ago while I was going through um, Speed Digital. And 
and I, a couple of years after that, my dad passed away from a heart attack. And um, mm. what was really instructive for me in that time were the people who showed up in mm. my personal life in terms of the, the, my business contacts and teammates who showed up. Um, and it, it was, I mean, it's just such a good lesson. I had people who would show up and just say, Hey, can I sit by you while you're getting chemo? Or could I come take care of your kid so you can go get chemo? <laughs> or I had um, a couple of business leaders in town, Mark Brunage, John Luther of JJ's Red Hots, and a couple others who showed up to my dad's funeral a few hours away. I, I didn't realize they were coming. It's just an open invite. And here come these guys I've worked for um, at a mm. critical time in my life. And man, I tell you, I, I mentioned that because I will run through walls for those guys now, right? Because yeah. they yeah. showed up and they entered into my personal life. So figuring out how to do that is so key um, on it, caring for somebody, but also it's actually beneficial for your business, right? Like if, if you figure out how to show up personally, your business is going to thrive in ways you're going to have people who are uh, aligned, allegiant to you in ways that you couldn't have otherwise. So that's something else that came to mind there. Man, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I did not know. Um, it's powerful. Um, super powerful. That's why we're doing this podcast, quite frankly, because we want to hear your stories that we know will inspire somebody else that's having the same wrestling with the same stuff, you know, which is yep. what I love. And I want to kind of do a, a quick little recap because there, there's some powerful nuggets there. So one of the things that I think Ben and I've seen is another kind of common theme across many, if not all, of the, the, the guests that we've had, as well as other entrepreneurial friends that we have, this imposter syndrome thing, mm -hmm. you, you wouldn't expect it to be with such accomplished people, but everybody wrestles with it. That's the interesting thing when they kind of get real about it. And so I think you hit it early on in this conversation, which was it starts by knowing yourself. You know, what do you, right. what do you right. love? What do you loathe? What do you thrive? What are the things in which you thrive? And what are the things that make you wither? And then seeking feedback. And the only way that you can do that is if there is trust. And I, I'll go so far to say that there's actually an element of love that creates that trust where you can be vulnerable and not have it be used as a weapon against you. Um, and, and part of that is another thing that you said, which was we try to make sure that there's about 10 times the amount of praise to the, to one time of criticism, you know, 10 parts to one. And I think that's really true. That adds to that um, environment of trust. So, uh, wow, this is really, really good. You yeah. know what I mean? And that imposter syndrome being correlated throughout that we've seen. I mean, I caught myself five minutes ago doing it, right? When you asked me about my, my uh, college experience and I immediately downplayed right. that it was D3 instead of D2, right? Because there's right, always right. somebody else at some different level. And it comes along with the constant pursuit of improvement, with competition. And a lot of these people that are accomplished in business and have had success as far as being able to grow and run things, it, you have that in your mind because you're never 
you may be happy, but you're never satisfied yeah. with where you are. Yeah, that's yeah. And, and if it makes you feel better, I sat on the bench. I, re- I rode the pine. <laughs> uh, you know, I, was, I was a third string point guard. Um, but no, it, it's so true. Um, I have a good friend who says comparison is a thief of joy, right? Like we, yeah. we do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm comparing to you, you're comparing to me. And we forget that um, we can just encourage one another. And that actually is a much better outcome, right? Then we just try and puff ourselves up, especially leading a company. You're, you're so often focused on trying to make sure people think that everything's intact and we're going the right way. And, you know, or in an early on startup, even more so, right? People want to know that it's stable. There's a, a talent war that's happening right now. And how do we get people on the bus if they don't think that everything's stable, right? Um, so, leaning the other other direction and being willing to put things out there and, and air your dirty laundry is um, in my experience in life and business, gosh, it's so freeing. Um, it is uh, contagious, right? If you can do that in a way where we can say, gosh, we have a huge opportunity as a business here, um, but I, I'm going to need everybody on board and being on board is going to be uh, require you to actually um, know yourself and to be willing to ask for help. And, you know, there's all the, the sayings about startups. You got to fail fast. Like you only fail if you try something you're not that good at, right? It's hard. It's hard to fail and be willing to then come to the team and, and admit that you failed. Um, so those are, I mean, those are challenges for all of us, but absolutely keys to success for, uh, you know, for small businesses. Well, and if you take yourself out of it, it's, it's not binary, right? You, when we look at our past guests, we're not looking at, oh, this person is good at business and this one's bad. It's like, no, you can both be good at business. And then right. the second piece of that vulnerability is what do you want from others? Well, you want others to be vulnerable with you because it helps with the relationship and communication. So if you take that ego out of it and you're willing to be vulnerable, it's going to help the culture inside the business. It's going to make everything work better. And it's what they're looking for from you anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely. It's tough to take yourself out of it though. Right. So, yeah. and if this question becomes uh, problematic, you can just say pass and that's okay. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to me that you guys said, hey, we're going to start with, we, we had actually core values before we had any idea what the product was going to be, <laughs> which right. I think is interesting. <laughs> the second thing that you did was, hey, let's ask questions and find out what's the pain and what are the problem points that people are having versus, hey, we got this great idea. Why don't you buy it? You know, which is <laughs> right in the product world. There are too many of those that happen and they usually don't go very far. Um, but as you guys have seen success, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about, um, you know, you, you, you garnered some additional outside capital, people are paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah, I'd like to hear if you're willing to talk a little bit about that. But then, you know, what what do you see? You know, you're not a fortune teller and you're not a soothsayer. So but what do you see? What are you casting a vision for, you know, five years down the road mm-hmm. with this particular company? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so a couple parts there in that question, and, and I'll give you a couple of answers. I mean, what we're casting vision wise is that 
we start, yeah, we started this business in a way where we really just asked questions. We came around alongside as a consultant ultimately said, Hey, we just want to hear about the pain. And, um, again, give us, you have the magic wand. Um, and that, that goes back to being really curious. Like how do you ask the right questions to understand? Cause a lot of times people don't know. They're like, well, no, I'm, I'm, you know, my finance, your finance team, whoever it is, well, we're making do, we're doing fine. Oh, but what's painful? What hurts in this process? Where can we help out? Um, we did a, a ton of that, and that was really instructive on what we call our beachhead. Uh, we were taking the beachhead early on and saying, where do we get in and understand how we can provide 10 to 1 ROI on um, whatever products we're putting forward and, and the pain we're solving? Um, and, and so that was the history of a little bit of that. But in, we ended up going out. We raised some capital um, led by uh, Revolution Ventures out of D.C. and um, great, great partners and a handful of other groups that came in on that, um, which was super validating that, yes, we're on to something and there's a bigger opportunity here outside of just the, the billing um, software that we've put together early on here. So the vision that we're casting is in particular – um, really interesting. A handful of us don't have any accounting background, right? And that's probably the majority of the company. There's probably a third of us who have worked in the industry at some point. Um, but what both sides have latched onto is uh, that there's an opportunity to really help change this profession in terms of the tool sets that they rely on, and therefore the day-to-day um, uh, operations and the day-to-day time savings for real people who are using these tools, right? So what we're, what we're casting from a vision is we have a major opportunity to go after a much bigger part of this market to provide a whole suite of modules that are gonna, um, are gonna provide value outside of the billing side. So we've started building analytics and, and insights dashboards. We've got other ideas around, you know, additional modules that will again free up time and money um and what's exciting is that it's it's we're getting the interest right we've got uh incredible um interest on the sales side and and so there's a there's a huge opportunity for us you know that's i think at a high level the vision is wow we can really help serve this uh this industry in a way that is bigger than the initial scope we we saw right it's much much bigger so i don't know if that answers your question gives you a little bit more mission vision wise yeah and i think part of it too is whenever you take outside capital you know one dollar from the wrong group can make your life a living hell quite frankly yeah because you know all of a sudden you've been very careful about your core values but somebody that brings in a you know, a boatload of money, all of a sudden, hey, new sheriffs in town. We don't care about your core values. Yeah, yeah, whatever about those core values. But, you know, where's my money? You know, and where's my performance? Right. And so, you know, how how's that working so far? Are they letting you be who you are and, you know, supporting? You know, there are some VCs and private equity firms that are, a lot of them are not, you know, tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So, so um, to date our, our, you know, our experience has been great. Um, and I say that, you know, we're six months, seven months into after we've brought on some capital um, and absolutely like 
the goals are shared across the Anduin employees, co-founders, the leadership team, and the venture capital group. Like our goal is to drive the business um, value to our customers and therefore the business valuation, right? Like we're, we're all after the same thing. Um, and, and I think part of why um, the venture capital groups came in and came after us was because, hey, we really think you got the right people. And if the core values are a part of that, we're behind it. Um, you know, we, we took some capital early on to start to really throttle things. And that was only because we, we had some partners who said, hey, we see it. Like, we see who, who you guys are. We see what you're doing. We see the opportunity. We're willing to back you and come in on that. Now, to your point, um, you know, it, growth helps all things, right? So if you're yeah. if you're hitting your numbers, if you're executing on your plan, if you're going back to being the point guard, um, if you're able to answer the theme of the day when the coach asks you, um, and and you know do it all in stride, um, that helps. And so uh, we're we're seeing a lot of success so far early on. And um, you know I I think I would also mention that our CEO, a couple of our um, co-founders, spent a ton of time working through venture capital interviews and we interviewed them, right? Like a lot of times it's the other way around. You're just trying to find any money. We were very focused on, I want to know who this, this, um, the, you know, the partners are, are they going to be around what their, what their, you know, tendencies are. I want some references from them. Um, so we spent a lot of time doing that, making sure that they were going to align with what we're after. Um, Otherwise, to your point, yeah, this this could have been a huge mistake, and yeah. um, we've we've heard those horror stories. So I'm thankful that uh, and again, our CEO Justin, he spent a, a lot of time doing that legwork um, and and really finding the alignment with Revolution. Well, it goes back to what you said at the very beginning, KYP. Know your That's personnel, right. yep. and if you take in an outside partner, they're your personnel. So, yep. I mean, that's really, really good. This has been awesome. Yeah. So Tanner, I want to, I want to finish on, on one more piece because you've, you've been going through this evolution of your career. You've been running now this company as a co-founder with some partners for a year and a half. How do you balance your priorities in life? You've got three kids, a family, fly fishing, church, staying yeah. active, playing basketball, right? Like the list goes on and on. How do you balance yeah. all of that, those priorities with running the, a young company? Man, it's, it's a challenge. It is absolutely a challenge. And, um, and it's, and it's oftentimes it's not a balance, right? Um, when I think like I'm, I'm going to an interview right after this, I'm interviewing somebody over lunch. And, um, you know, one of the questions I'll have is, uh, you know, what are you looking for in a work life? I call it rhythm. <laughs> and how can you get your rhythm set? Um, because you, you know, my, you're, you're right on. I have, um, six competing pi priorities at any time during the day and making sure I can figure out how to keep those in rhythm is an art form. Um, ultimately, you know, I personally, um, you know, try and spend every morning with some quiet every night with some quiet. Um, I'm, I'm currently giving myself a goal of like, uh, even tech Sabbaths. How do you do this in a way where you can turn off and, and give yourself some um, some margin, right? Uh, but I think it comes back to uh, having great people alongside you. Um, you know, for me, that's that's 
family and my wife and others who help um, keep me in check and know me and ask me those good questions on how are you doing. Um, but I would say that is an incredible challenge. And when people ask me about Andu and how's it been, how's, how's it been working there, I say, it's been phenomenal. I've never worked this hard, right? It's been awesome, but I've never worked this hard and I'm loving it. Um, and, you know, uh, I got to learn how to say uncle every once in a while and what that means. It could mean, you know, cutting out to go fishing or it could mean uh, turning off my cell phone for a morning. Um, what does that look like in terms of being able to know yourself and, and keep that balance, that rhythm? Um, so that's a, I think that's a huge challenge for folks. And we live in that age where we're always on, we're always expected to keep going. The other piece that I think is huge for anybody is, um, and, and this has been really helpful with our board who's leaned into this and uh, early on said, hey, I just want you to know, like, you are going to sacrifice. Your, your, your wife is going to sacrifice. Everybody's going to, you're actually signing up for a lot of sacrifice here. Um, and so that's a, a theme that we're, you know, we're leaning into when we hire folks. We want folks to know that they're coming on, we call it a tour of duty. You're coming on for a, a tour of duty with Anduin here. Um, and, you know, we got to figure out what that looks like with your, your rhythm, but also um, you're signing up for this. This is going to be a wild ride and uh, we want you to be eyes wide open coming into it. So that's, that's something that um, I think we all continually work on uh, at this stage of the company. Yeah, that's perfect. Gary, any, any final thoughts, questions for Tanner? Um, no, I think, I mean, this has been really insightful, um, Tanner. You know, this is not, you know, we've known each other now for probably five or six years. And, um, but each time I feel like I learn a whole lot more and there's a lot of really good stuff there. So um, we're huge fans of Anduin, you know, um, we're pretty, um, I don't know if we're bleeding edge, but we're definitely anything but typical in the, in, uh, in you the guys are world. absolutely. <laughs> and, no, you, go ahead. You guys yeah. have been great. And we've seen, oh, we've seen we, real we results, love your team. real results. Oh, so. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, we, we love working with your team and you are anything but typical. Oftentimes <laughs> we have conversations with BGW and we're like, can we include them in this, this, you know, this, this kind of cohort of what we're describing here, or are they really just an anomaly? And so um, we love what you guys are doing and your team has been phenomenal. I love working with uh, Rebecca and Paulette and Adam, all of you guys. So uh, thank yeah. you for having me and thanks for being a, a partner, a customer. That's uh, awesome. We want to uh, shout, shout your praises. Um, I'm wearing your t-shirt, even though this is just audio, I am wearing the Anduin sanctioned t-shirt and it's an awesome t-shirt yes. too. It's not, not chintzy. It's not scratchy. It's very comfortable. So <laughs> love so it. Yeah. My wife it. says that's my favorite one. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, where can people uh, find you, whether you personally, the company, wherever you want to send them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they can go to anduin.ai to learn more there. Um, you know, we're, we're always looking for, um, we're hiring, we're looking for, you know, anybody who's interested in learning more about the business. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, love to connect, um, big believer in building a network. And that's mostly, again, it's like your story, my story early on, uh, I can remember finding my first job in Charlotte, like Charlotte's so small, small town, big city, um, where, 
uh, I would love to connect with folks and, and see if there's anything I can help out with because it's uh, a big believer in that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you. Tanner. Thanks for having me, guys.